0: At this point, at this time, in this way, I want you to be seed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. At your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood, where you are, don't you believe that in the realm of eternity, the workplace and job role isn't as important as people saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of us, where we are at this point right now, exactly where we are, are seeds and life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us who's alive in Him,
1: Hi, friends, and welcome again to Live in the Light. We're always glad to have you join us. And in fact, we would love to hear from you if God has been transforming your life through the teaching of His Word. Hey, in case you missed yesterday's program, we hit the ground running back in Acts, in Acts chapter eight, looking at the story of Philip in Samaria and his meetup with Simon, the magician. It's a story of salvation and sorcery. And that's the title of today's message. Let's join up with Robbie now in Acts 8 to hear more.
0: Every single one of us. Here's what happens sometimes what we do. We complain of our position. We whine about our predicament. We get frustrated, let's say, in our employment. Could it be, though, that the very reason we haven't seen change yet is because the Lord is saying to Ephesus to say, don't you see more than I want you to be promoted, more than I want you to receive a greater paycheck, more than I want you to have a lesser commute. At this point, at this time, in this way, I want you to be seed for the gospel of Jesus Christ at your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood, where you are, don't you believe that in the realm of eternity, the workplace and job role isn't as important as people saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of us, where we are at this point right now, exactly where we are, are seeds and light for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us who's alive in him, we don't think that way enough. Every neighbor, every workplace, every family, every opportunity, we are where we are under the sovereignty of God to be seed scattered for the purposes of the gospel and the glory of Jesus Christ. How that might change our thinking as supposed to get me out of here Just saying, wait a second, you have something for me to do here, God? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And secondly, how many of us are willing to be scattered for the gospel? Some of us, God calls us to maybe a new place, a new mission, a new place, a new role again for the gospel somewhere else. So are we willing to go when God says go? Are we willing to respond? Are we seeing ourselves on mission for God? All of us are where we are. And yet some, are we willing to go outside of comfort zones to be scattered seed for the gospel to a foreign nation in a foreign part of, again, where we live in a different environment? Are we willing? Or the opposite, are we hunkered down so tight in our comfort and coziness that we don't wanna move at all? Again, you know, this, this past ministry year, we opened up a, a fourth service as you are well aware of. And like, you gotta know, man, from my heart and the elders are like, I, I'm not opening up, church size, I'm not turned on by church size, man. Um, I am motivated by people saved in Jesus Christ and being uh, safe from hell to know him forever and live with him with hope eternal. That, that, that's what motivates me. And so, but if we're gonna do four services, I don't wanna have another service just to spread out the population of the church, you know, a little more throughout four. I, I just don't have any interest in that. We do want to see people saved. And so we have a thousand more seats that potentially a thousand more souls could be saved and maybe a thousand people sent as well. A thousand seats, a thousand souls, a thousand sent. I like it. I like it. I'm telling you all of us working together with the gospel, scattering seeds, seeing people saved to be in this place at this time for the gospel. And like my prayer growing more and more 2020, Lord, would you save hundreds and hundreds of people, a thousand seats, a thousand souls, a thousand sent. God, would you do that? I'm telling you, every single one of us working together, you know, you did some simple math, you know, 4,000 or so people in our church. If one quarter of us led one person to Christ this year, we're out of room again. Yeah, that seems doable in some ways. I mean, God is the one who decides. I'm just telling you, faith and vision, and God, would you use us, all of us where we are, the potential to reach so many while we have the time in this place again, in this moment. And so we can look right now in our our text here, it's powerful stuff. We can see the, the pain of the culture of our day. We can see the pain of the attack of Christ or on Christ. But please be sure, listen, the principle of God's provision is always in play. Listen, listen, whether or not what you see around you, the Lord is always at work more than we realize. There's a song that we haven't sung officially as a church. We've sung different parts, but it's called Waymaker. And, The bridge I love when it says that even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Why? Because you never stop. Jesus Christ will build his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. But these statements here are mature statements of the Christian life. Because so many of us will like, well, I don't see it. It's not happening. I don't don't feel it. I'm not feeling it. I mean, I'm a feeler, man. Like I, I get emotions and emotions want to lead you. They're terrible leaders. Emotions are good followers. When I don't feel it doesn't mean God's not working, When I don't see God's always working. He's all, you cannot stop him. You never stop, you never stop working. The power of Jesus Christ as he builds his church. That's the statement of maturity. God help us to sing it and say it and believe it, and live it more and more and more. I mean, honestly, you put yourself in Acts eight. Do you think the church had any idea as to the growth that was about to be seen do you think they could have imagined Saul becoming Paul and his radical transformation in Christ? I mean, the ways of God are not the ways of man. And think about two. Hey, okay, Saul's plan was to murder Stephen. Saul's plan was to throw, and, and, and that, that plan was executed. And yet his plan failed miserably. His plan to ruin the church was actually used by God to cause the church to grow in ways he never could have thought. I love how God does that. The exact plan of evil turns out to be the furthering of the gospel under the plan of God. So there's persecution and pain, which leads to provision, which also leads to proclamation, to proclamation. Kent Hughes said this, he said this, he says, following the church through acts is like following a wounded deer through the forest. Drops of blood mark the trail. Yeah, that's really good. And that's really true. The pain and the persecution, but leads to the provision and to the proclamation again of the gospel as well. With the trail of blood comes the trail of truth and miraculous transformation. Because if you look at verse five, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And then notice again, the people listened, and then these miracles happen, unclean spirits crying out. And then look at the result, verse eight. So there was much joy In that city. When I read that verse each time this week in study, and even now, that joy gives me joy. There was much joy. Here's a a wonderful principle, already. Stephen's death resulted in a city's joy. That's what God does. Um, The death of one in the Christian life, in Christian principles, the death of one gives life to another. This is why Jesus died. Our Savior led the way. The death, Paul said later on when he was, of course, saved, he says, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. See, we die that you might live. We sacrifice that you might be blessed. We live at a cost. We suffer that you might have the light and the love and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We become less that the gospel then is proclaimed Jesus Christ, only he can make way supernaturally. He's the supernatural way maker. He makes a path when there's none to be found and none to be seen. The power of the gospel, loved ones, have faith today. Take encouragement. He is working whether we see it or feel it or not. Incredible things to see what's happening here in Acts 8. Now we move on to point number two. And yes, a whole bunch of more Ps, All right. Purpose, purity, power, and presumption. Purpose, purity, power, and presumption. This is our second section of scripture. We're going to go through it one paragraph at a time. I got so much to get through. Lord, help us right here. Keep our attention so strong. So, first section, verse 9 but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in that city and amazed the people. So watch this, and amazed the people of Samaria saying that he himself was somebody great. Then they all paid attention to him. Notice from the least to the greatest, wow. Saying this man is the power of God that is called great. That's not insignificant. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he amazed them with his magic. Verse 12, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God, In the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men um, and women. So significant here. We're introduced to a man named Simon. He was a magician. He was um, into sorcery. He was covered in darkness. The Bible tells us that Simon had really, in some ways, all of Samaria under his spell, like literally. From the least to the greatest, they were calling him... If not a God, they were calling him um, someone who has come from a God or someone who's come from a divine being. So we can say with certainty and accuracy, again, Simon had the multitude of Samaria under his spell, which was deception and darkness. Now, let's stop here for a second. Be very, very careful. This is what our world does. Whether it's in the form of sorcery with a guy named Simon right here, or whether it's in our world across so many messages, so much media, so much darkness, so much deception, so much distraction, all with the desire to destroy every person that comes under it. I was listening to a Molar's podcast this week and he just happened to mention a part on astrology. And he mentioned the Pew Research Center, very credible, 2018, indicated that in our day, 37% of women and 20% of men believe in astrology. Wow. They won't believe in Jesus Christ, but they'll believe in astrology. And that's now a $2.1 billion industry. People are so desperate. see, Satan doesn't care what you believe in as long as it's not Jesus. Because astrology is gonna be just mass forms of darkness and deception leading no one anywhere good, leading to nowhere. This is what our world, one aspect, there's so many different ways people are deceived and blinded by the spirit of the age. 2 Corinthians 4 says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the knowledge of the glory that is found in the face of Jesus Christ. But notice the transition here. So you have Samaria under darkness. Notice verse 12. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men, and women. So this is awesome. Here we see the purpose and the power and the purity of the gospel. Okay, it's hard to it's hard to overstate here the impact. Notice here, a whole city under the spell of darkness and deception and then the gospel comes in. And by the way, like Philip, I mean he wasn't seminary trained. This wasn't Philip the apostle. This is Philip like servant deacon type. Like he's the Greek speaking Jew A servant, but just like a man of God. And he stumbles down to Samaria. Has he ever been there before? We don't know. And he comes in, he has no training. He just starts preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden the power of the gospel is unleashed and the light starts destroying the uh, the darkness. Notice here, it's the gospel that breaks the spell of the spirit of the age. And that's what the gospel does. For 2,000 years, the gospel has been smashing open prison doors. For 2,000 years, the gospel has been breaking chains off people who've been in prison. For 2,000 years, the gospel has been setting captives free. For 2,000 years, the gospel has been causing people blind to receive sight. For 2,000 years, the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ has been causing lost people to be found. I was blind, but now I see. Again, for 2,000 years and including today right now, the gospel of Jesus Christ enters into the new age and enters into the blindness and enters into the magic and enters into the sorcery and enters into the deception. And it comes in and it fills a person and saves a person and transforms a person. And they're never the same again. By the way, next week in baptism service, all four services can't wait, go Lord. More people standing up saying, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. All because Jesus Christ lives in me. This is what he does. This is, Philip comes down, man, and before Philip knows it, he's witnessing revival in front of his eyes. All these people being transformed by the gospel. You gotta imagine he's just like, this is awesome. And who's being transformed? Listen, the Samaritans are being transformed. Why is that significant? Well, Jews and Samaritans really hated each other. Samaritans were considered half-breeds. And they had married with the Assyrians. And so they lost the pure blood of the Jewish race. And they were seen as anyone. They would never hang out together. They they really hated each other. And so you have Jews ministering to the Samaritans and the Samaritans are being saved with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Philip comes and he says, I'm not preaching to you a physical place in a temple in Jerusalem. I'm preaching to you Jesus Christ who gives forgiveness and grace that you yourself become a temple of the Holy Spirit and Christ comes and lives within you. And the Samaritans are transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, the revival that Philip is watching and the power of Christ and his name. And we should pray for things like that, eh? Hey, we should have a prayer meeting this week at Wednesday at 7 p.m. and pray for these things. Oh, we are, that's such good coincidence. I'm so glad that we're doing that. But again, let's take so much faith from this text. Look at what's happening. You can't stop Jesus, man. He's the way maker. He is the way. He makes a way where there is no way because he is the way and he is the truth and he is the life. And from here then you see, his purpose and purity results in 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 power. Now look at verse fourteen again. Okay, so there's so much to get through in this text today, and um, each section in some ways could be its own message. But but I just pray the Lord really uses it. So look at verse fourteen. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, these verses have caused no little debate, again, for many, many years and centuries. Why? There seems to be a separation here between conversion and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which again, we understand biblically uh, go together, right? So then why is this happening in this case? See, we strongly believe here at, at whole, we believe what's happening here. This is a unique transitional time within the early church. Okay, think about it, okay? The gospel for the first time in this way is going beyond Judaism, to, going beyond Jews and reaching an entirely different people group in the Samaritans, okay? So Peter and John, for them to go hear the report and to confirm the power of the Holy Spirit that's totally brilliant under the design of God. Say, well, why? Why is that brilliant? Uh, four main reasons, okay? Think about it, okay? Peter and John, as part of the apostles, they held the true authority. If they were just told, hey, this is what's happening over there and in these early stages, and they had no part of the authority of that, you could see how that might become very problematic. Is it real? Is it, is, it, is it even right? But they go in person, and they're able to unquestionably witness and empower this gospel transition to a whole different group of people. Secondly, Peter and John being there, and to see the Spirit of God fall upon them, it would um, undeniably confirm the unity of the one true church, Okay. So imagine Peter and John don't go. You have a work and the Samaritan group of people and the work and the Jerusalem group of Christians. How easily, this is the way the humans work too, right? How easily would there be a Samaritan church and there would be a Jerusalem church and they would not get along and they would be against each other. I'm so glad we have nothing like that in our day with denominations and whatnot, eh? So yeah, well, there's only like thousands of them, right? This is the problem of what, what happens. But here you see, there wouldn't just be a Samaritan church and Jerusalem church. Peter and John come, one church. Thirdly, when Peter and John come in the Holy Spirit is so evidently working within the people this is God's community of one people now there's 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 no ethnic divisions there's no going to be no ethnicity that's not included or excluded this is one community uh, one God one Lord one faith one baptism one church and in a couple of chapters from now we're gonna see even Gentiles, Gentiles will even be reached with the gospel and all nations come to the Lord Jesus Christ, which is prophesied all through scripture. And lastly, Jesus said to Peter, you will hold the keys of the kingdom. And here's Peter in person, again, giving the spiritual authority to commission and to pray for, to lay hands upon. Again, the Samaritans receiving the Holy Spirit and Peter in a couple of chapters, he will witness the Holy Spirit falling upon the Gentiles for the first time, again, fulfilling his role as the one, again, who holds the keys to the kingdom. Just awesome and amazing and beautiful. So you have to imagine the awe and the encouragement held by Peter and John and everyone as they witnessed this massive, unique transition of the gospel reaching so many people, reaching the nations. It's it's so beautiful, you know. And again, again, listen, we're a fulfillment of this work here. How many nations are represented in this room right now? Dozens. How many languages are spoken across this church? I don't know, 45, 50 now, maybe more. It's just awesome. We are the fulfillment. By the way, in December, we um made up those gospel tract hope cards, pretty simple. Hope cards to give out to people, to reach people that we're seeking to love with the gospel. We're out of them all, they're all gone. And so we pray thousands are gone. So we just pray that those are all being used and praying wherever they, wherever they end up, that God would use that. And, and we're gonna do version 2.0, get some feedback, try to make it a little bit better, improve or a little different. And wanna keep, keep doing this, a thousand seeds, a thousand souls, a thousand cent that God may save and transform and use us in the process to reach the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many are so hurting. So we've seen here so much. We've seen purpose and purity and power. But we end we end with this, we end with um, presumption, presumption. So in the midst of all this beauty gospel stuff, we have an imposter. And his name is Simon. He's a sorcerer. Look at verse 13. It says, Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now look down at verse 18. So you're like, oh, well, that's that's cool. The sorcerer seems to be saved. Well, not so fast. Verse 18. Now, when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying of the apostles' hands, he offered them money saying, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's not good, okay? But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money, okay, that is also not good. You have neither part nor lot in this matter. That's a problem. For your heart is not right before God. That is also a problem. Repent therefore for this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness, not good, and in the bond of iniquity, also not good. And Simon answered, pray for me that the Lord, to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me that is also not good. We'll explain in just a second. So, Our conclusion from this part of scripture is that there's no way Simon can be truly saved. Say, well, why, how? Well, he professed and even, he was even baptized. Okay, now that's very telling and honestly very encouraging. Okay, here's the reality, okay? You do your best as a church to only baptize those who are genuine believers. But the reality is we can't fully see the heart and time is the greatest factor. You do your best, you interview, you try to see, but even the early church missed it. Even because Jesus promised many will receive the gospel with great joy, but when trial and persecution comes, they will fall away right away. Jesus promises in the church, there'll be wheat and tares. There'll be wheat and there'll be weeds. There'll be true believers and false believers sitting in the same room like right now. There are true and there are false in this room. Who are they? I don't know, but God does. That's a reality. So it shouldn't surprise us in some way. Here you have Simon saying, oh yeah, this is good. This is good. But notice here, notice he was a professor, but not a possessor. There's a lot of people like that. You profess something, but do you actually possess Christ? Well, how do we know again? He offers money for the Holy Spirit power. That, That indicates to me he has no clue what he's talking about. His ambition is totally self. He's like, I want this. I wanna gain this so I can get recognition and I can get power. Then in verse 20, Peter says, well, he says, he says, um, notice, may your silver perish with you. J.B. Phillips translates that phrase as, to hell with you and your money. And that's accurate. So Peter would never condemn a believer with that type of statement. Peter says, your heart is not right. That's a massive indictment. You have no lot in this. That's also a massive indictment. Repent of your wickedness. He has no fruit that we're looking for in the Christian life. He says, I see you in the gall of bitterness, meaning you are wretched. You have wretchedness. You are in the bond of iniquity. You are a prisoner of sin, okay? None of those statements can be said about a genuine believer in Jesus Christ. And then finally, when Simon hears this, he's like, Peter, you pray for me that this may not happen. But Peter just said to him, No, you pray. So, you know, Simon says, No, you, you do the work for me. If you really get the gospel, you're not looking for someone else to solve your problems. You just run to Jesus Christ and say, Forgive me, I'm a sinner. You have one mediator, Jesus Christ. It's not like, hey, Eric, you go to Christ for me and you do my business. Well, no, no, you can't do that for me. Only Christ can do that for me. Simon didn't get it. He didn't get it. He said, why is this all here right now? I think it's a great warning for us. I think Simon serves as a powerful, sobering warning to anyone who might profess to know Christ, but at the same time, there's nothing that's been real in possessing the Holy Spirit and the actual fruit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want us all to consider that today and right now. You know, it's here. And it's here for a reason and, you know, just if I can sneak one more P in before we're done. Look at, look at verse 25. Now, when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. so my last P would be progress. There's progress as Jesus Christ paves the path and the way for the gospel to go forward. Loved ones, Jesus Christ is the way maker through persecution, through pain, even through false profession, Jesus Christ is the way maker and you look to him and you love him and you will never, ever be disappointed. I pray today this text is a massive source of encouragement for you. And I pray today as we respond, there will also be a wonderful way to say, yes, Jesus, no one's stopping you ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Lord, we do say amen to you. We say amen to your way. I love the truth you're Even through persecution and pain, there's provision and there's proclamation. So Lord, I pray right now, I pray your people, your church is encouraged. I beg you that faith is rising. I pray that transformation is occurring. I pray that hope is filling. And I pray you will help us and use us even now as we respond. Even it says right there, it says there was joy in the city. Yes, Lord, may there be joy in this place right now. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Live in the Light listeners. Listen, you've heard of Black Friday. You've probably heard of Cyber Monday. But if you heard of Giving Tuesday, that's a time again for people who are fired up about ministries like Live in the Light to give on Tuesday, November 29th to again ministries like ours to see the gospel continue to go forward and lives to be changed through the revelation of God's truth. Did you know that we are kept on the air on this station 100% by generous donors like yourselves? It's so true. We are dependent on you and the support and prayer again of our listeners to continue to see these messages go out and we pray reach so many people again for the Lord Jesus Christ and this year we're excited to say we had a special donor step up and they are willing again to match gifts up to 25 thousand dollars they're going to match again all donations up to that amount towards living the light in this giving season so hey maybe right now you you consider being used of the Lord to uh, see how you can be used to give generously to live the the light that will continue to reach people again a donor is going to match up to $25,000 we're so thankful for that donor and thankful for you for considering being used in this way at this time to see light shine in the darkness and to see those again without hope to find the hope that is found in Jesus Christ bless you all for prayerfully considering such things If you'd like to hear this message
1: again, or the rest of the messages from this series, you can find these resources and more on our website at liveinthelight.ca. I'm Craig Turnbull, and on behalf of Robbie Simons, we invite you to join us again next time on Live in the Light.